Welcome back everyone. I bet you have wondered if you have enough money to retire, or if you will save enough when the time rolls around. How much do you need, and how do you know for sure what you have is enough? These are all very hard questions to answer, because we don't know what the future has in store for us. Today I'd like to talk about a hypothetical retirement strategy that may help put your mind at ease, and maybe help you figure out just how much money you will need to retire. A rule of thumb for the safe withdrawal rate in retirement is the 4% rule. William Benjamin published an article in 1994 that tested safe withdrawal rates on a hypothetical portfolio of 50% stocks and 50% bonds. While he didn't actually advocate for the 4% rule, it was determined from his work that this rate of withdrawal was the most optimal for the longevity of a portfolio. Based on his results, most of the tested portfolios lasted 50 years, with the few that didn't still lasting 35 years or longer. Mr. Benjamin also found that increasing your allocation to stocks generally resulted in a better outcome but it was that even 50-50 split between stocks and bonds that proved to be the most consistent portfolio structure. What I want to do today is build on top of Mr. Benjamin's work and show you what the actual results of the 4% rule would have been between 1993 and today. I'll also showcase two different allocations so that you can see how a more aggressive portfolio compares to the original 50-50 split. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The funds I will be using today all come from Vanguard. I chose funds with the longest histories to give me the maximum amount of data but I will also tell you what cheaper options are available today. The three funds used in the test are VFINX, which is a basic S&P 500 fund, VBMFX, which is a total bond market fund, and VIGRX, which is a growth index fund. VFINX has an expense ratio of 14 basis points. The cheaper option today is the Admiral Fund from Vanguard, ticker symbol VFIAX, that has an expense ratio of just 4 basis points. VFIAX is a mutual fund, and it does require a minimum investment of $3,000. It is also available as an exchange-traded fund, ticker symbol VOO, with an expense ratio of 3 basis points, and no minimum investment. VBMFX has an expense ratio of 15 basis points. The cheaper option today is VBTLX, with an expense ratio of 5 basis points. It too has a minimum investment of $3,000, but is available as an ETF under the ticker symbol BND, with an expense ratio of 3 basis points and VIGRX has an expense ratio of 17 basis points. The cheaper option is VIGAX that has an expense ratio of just 5 basis points, but it does require a 3,000 minimum investment. It is also available as an ETF under ticker symbol VUG with an expense ratio of 4 basis points. So you may be wondering what the difference between a mutual fund and an ETF is, and why you would want to pick one over the other. There really aren't many major differences, and cost-wise, both are typically very similar. The big difference is that mutual funds are priced at the end of each day, and when you invest money, you purchase shares using the net asset value as of day end. ETFs on the other hand trade on the open market and can be bought and sold throughout the day. Mutual funds lower the impact of commissions and spreads, and they allow automatic investments and withdrawals, while ETFs are more tax efficient and offer more intraday liquidity. Okay, back to the topic at hand. The first portfolio I tested was a 50-50 split of the S&P 500 fund and the total bond market fund. The more aggressive portfolio was a 60% allocation to the S&P 500 fund, with 20% allocated to the total bond market fund and the growth index fund. 
the long-term compounded annual growth rate for the 50-50 portfolio between 1993 and August of 2023 was 7.53%, while the more aggressive portfolio had a compounded annual growth rate of 9.24%. To give you a baseline, the S&P 500 had a compounded annual growth rate of 9.92% for the same period of time. I know what you may be thinking. Neither of these two portfolios I tested performed better than the S&P 500, so why would you want to invest in an inferior portfolio? That's a valid question to ask, and the simple answer is that achieving the highest rate of return should not be your primary goal in retirement. What you should focus on instead is limiting your downside while still generating a sufficiently high enough rate of return to not overly stress your portfolio with the perpetual withdrawals. Once we get to the data, this will all start to make more sense, so bear with me. I tested both of these portfolios using the 4% rule to see how well they would have performed during the last 30 years. The 4% rule is quite simple. It calls for withdrawing 4% of your portfolio in the first year of your retirement and adjusting that amount for inflation each year thereafter. To keep the math simple, I tested a portfolio with a value of $1 million. The outcome would be exactly the same regardless of the portfolio value because we are using a fixed percentage rate to determine the first withdrawal amount. If you wanted to use the 4% rule as part of your retirement strategy, the way you can figure out how large a portfolio you will need is to take the amount of retirement income you think you will need and divide it by 0.04. If $40,000 per year sounds sufficient to you, then you would need a portfolio with a market value of $1 million. If you think you will need $50,000 per year, then you would need to have $1.25 million. Okay, so let's see how these two portfolios performed if you retired between 1993 and 2023. I'll start with the 50-50 portfolio first. The average ending balance for all years was about $1.62 million. Not bad, right? On average, you'd end up with about 60% more assets compared to what you retired with. The average lowest value for all years was about $886,000. That's not too bad either. On average, your portfolio would dip at most 11.5% from its starting value. The average highest value for all years was about $1.84 million. Let's look at the average withdrawal rates. We know that we would have started with a 4% withdrawal rate. But after retirement, the portfolio value and the rate of withdrawal are two independent factors. Your portfolio value is driven by market returns and the amount you are pulling out, while your withdrawal amount is fixed and adjusted by inflation that isn't correlated with market returns. The average ending withdrawal rate for all years was 4.06%, just slightly higher than the starting withdrawal rate. That's very good because it tells us that on average, this specific portfolio and the 4% rule would have worked out well, regardless if you retired in the 90s, early 2000s, or in the last few years. Granted, the 90s are measuring a much longer window of retirement than the 2020s. Let's take a closer look at each year to see the more and less opportune times to retire. The early, mid, and even late 90s were a good period to retire, with strong market returns driving these portfolios higher early on and preparing them for the dot-com bubble at the turn of the century. Retiring between 1993 and 1997 would see you have a portfolio with a value between 2.2 and 3.9 million today. These portfolios would rarely fall below your starting value, and if they did, it wasn't by much. The current withdrawal rates today would be very comfortable, ranging between slightly below 2% to just north of 3%. Then in 1998, things start to turn for the worse. The 1998 retiree would still be in a pretty decent spot, with a portfolio worth about 1.5 million today. At worst, they would see their market value dip to $847,000, and their current withdrawal rate would be 4.73%, which is still pretty reasonable. The 1999 retiree would be sitting slightly below his starting value today, and would have to endure watching their portfolio at one point drop all the way to $690,000. Their current withdrawal rate would be 7.12%, which is high, and may prove to be unsustainable for the next 30 years. The 2000 retiree would be the worst off compared to all others. 
they would have about $850,000 today, and their market value would dip to a low of $642,000 during the last 23 years. The current withdrawal rate would be 8.12%, which is the highest of all tested years, and probably unsustainable in the next decade or two. Starting in 2001, things began to look better, with all retirees, up until the 2021 retiree, seeing their portfolio value be above its starting value as of today. All retirees between 2001 and 2011 would see their portfolios dip below the starting value, some by two dollars to $300,000. The current withdrawal rates also start to improve, dropping from 6.41% in 2001 to a low of 2.61% by 2009. From 2010 to today, the current withdrawal rates generally worsened, climbing to a high of nearly 5% by 2022. Since the financial crisis, market returns were generally good up until more recently. The 2021 retiree would be sitting with a loss of $69,000 today, and they would also see their portfolio dip to a low of $847,000. The 2022 retiree would have an even worse start to their journey, as they would lose about $143,000 in the first 20 months of their retirement, sitting with about $857,000 left today, and a current withdrawal rate almost 1% higher than the original 4%. We can see that the results varied wildly, depending on when you retired, but generally, this allocation of 50% stocks and 50% bonds worked out well, even if you retired at the worst possible time during the dot-com bubble. 27 out of the 31 years tested are sitting above the starting value, and two of the years that are not are very recent years with a short track record. Let's take a look at how the more aggressive portfolio would have worked out under the same stress test. I'll tell you the averages first, so that we can make a more general comparison. The average ending value was about $2.5 million, which is about $900,000 higher than the 50-50 portfolio. The average lowest balance was about $824,000, which is about $62,000 lower than the 50-50 portfolio. The average highest balance is about $2.78 million, which is a little bit shy of $1 million higher than the 50-50 portfolio. The average current withdrawal rate is 3.25%, which is much lower than the 4.06% we saw with the 50-50 portfolio. So in general, the more aggressive portfolio would have worked out better. But let's take a closer look at the individual years to get a better sense of what you could have actually experienced. The 90s were generally good, especially the period between 1993 and 1995. Retirees during these three years would be sitting on about 6 to 7 million today, with current withdrawal rates just north of 1%. The 1996 retiree would be pretty well off as well, with a portfolio of about 4.6 million and a current withdrawal rate of 1.63%. The 1997 retiree would be sitting on about 3.5 million and a current withdrawal rate of 2.07%. The 1998 retiree would see their portfolio double and they would have a current withdrawal rate of 3.45%. Then we enter the dot com bubble and the picture changes. The 1999 retiree would have 984,000 left today, which isn't too bad, but they would have to watch their portfolio dip all the way down to about $484,000. And this would happen rather early in their retirement at the bottom of the dot com bubble. Probably not a situation you would want to find yourself in. Also, their current withdrawal rate would be 7.16%, which is pretty high and may not be sustainable in a decade or two. The 2000 retiree would not have a happy retirement. Today, they would only have 484,000 left of the original million. At the bottom of the dot-com bubble, they would see more than 60% of the original million disappear, and their current withdrawal rate of 14.14% would probably mean that their portfolio would be exhausted in a few years. Retirees between 2001 and today would generally be fine, with ending market values above 1 million, with 2022 being the only exception. Retirees between 2001 and 2008 would have to endure large market drops and watch their portfolios decline significantly, sometimes by as much as 
So as we can see, generally, the more aggressive portfolio worked out in the retiree's favor. However, in the rare time it didn't, it could put the retiree in a downward spiral that would see their portfolio break down, with the withdrawal rate climbing to an unsustainable level. The important question to ask here is, what is more important to you? Growing your portfolio to a larger amount, or decreasing the chances that your portfolio will not sustain your withdrawal rate? I was curious how each portfolio would perform with a higher starting rate of withdrawal, so I tested both using a rate of 5%. The 50-50 portfolio generally performed well, with 21 out of the 31 years still sitting north of 1 million today. Out of the 10 years that did not, 5 were relatively close, but only 3 of them had sustainable withdrawal rates. The 5 years that performed the worst were the period between 1998 and 2002, with the year 2000 being the worst. The 2000 retiree would only have about 166,000 left today, and their current rate of withdrawal would be 50%, which would give them roughly 2 years left before they run out of money. The other 4 retirees between 1998 and 2002 would all also have unsustainable withdrawal rates ranging between 12 and 34%. Additionally, the 2004 and 2005 retiree would have withdrawal rates around 8% that are probably beyond the tipping point, barring a strong bull market run. The more aggressive portfolio again saw a wider range of outcomes, with some years still performing exceptionally well, but also two years failing to last until today. The 1999 and 2000 retirees would run out of money before 2023. The 1998 and 2001 retirees would hit rates of withdrawal that are beyond sustainable, while the remaining years for the most part were all okay. However, the 2002 retiree would be close to an 8% withdrawal rate today and getting close to the point of no return. So again we see the same pattern evolve here, with the safer 50-50 portfolio offering a higher probability of portfolio longevity, while the more aggressive portfolio delivered a better average outcome but also increased your chance of failure. I like both of these portfolios and the 4% rule. It's a good rule of thumb to plan your retirement. One way to avoid failure would be to make your withdrawal strategy more dynamic by adjusting with the market. If you see that the market is crashing, then try to withdraw less, or maybe push your retirement back a year or two until things settle down. Going with a withdrawal rate of 5% or higher is probably too risky, especially if you don't want to retire twice in your life. Learn to live on less, or figure out how to save and invest more while you still can. That's it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, please do me a favor and give my podcast a 5-star rating. Thank you for joining me today and see you next time.